Good morning, Gateway. It's uh, truly an honor to be with you this morning. Uh, If you've brought your Bibles, uh, I'd ask you to open to Romans chapter 1. And while you're doing it, I will set the context that is going to be the overarching theme of my message this morning. So in the Winnipeg Police Service, or back it up, when you phone 911, the police service will send to your door two uniformed uh, officers as a rule. And when those officers get there, um, let's say a situation escalates to the point where they need more options. When the police need to call 911, we call the tactical support team. The tactical support team are those guys you see driving around in the blacked out SUVs uh, with the gray uniforms. And they have a whole host of special options that uh, regular police officers don't have. Um, All the way from less than lethal force options, uh, right up to they have an armored personnel carrier that can park on your front lawn and knock the door in if need be, all keeping the officers inside. Now you might say, what does this have to do with the book of Romans? Excellent question. Glad you asked it. The tactical support team never plans an operation that is dependent upon everything going right. In fact, in every scenario they go to, they operate based on principles and tactics. So it doesn't matter that before they come into a house to clear it for threats that they don't have a copy of the floor plan. Because everything within that house that they're going to confront, they already have a principle or a tactic on how to deal with it. So they go into the unknown with a foundation on which to base what they encounter. Now, this may not have connected it for you to Romans yet, but we will. I've titled my message this morning, Be the Go in the Gospel. I'm at that magical age where my doctor won't give me progressives, and yet I can't read my Bible unless I take my glasses off. So, I'm going to start at verse 8, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart you some spiritual gift so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you, just as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greek, uh, Greeks and barbarians, both to wise and unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
I probably should have started with apologizing um, to our administrators and our translators. Um, I went, I've been sick for the last couple of days, and I went to do my PowerPoint yesterday and my speaking notes to send them out, and I just got violently cold and shaky. So no PowerPoint, no speaking notes, and the translators are having to go uh, off of what I actually say. So forgive me for that. Okay. I'm a loud talker. Be the go in the gospel. So we're going to do the who, what, where, why, when, and how of be the go in the gospel, but we're going to start with the what. And we're actually going to invert the what it means to go with the gospel by talking about what it doesn't necessarily mean. We get this example from Paul who at the time that he's writing Romans is actually in Corinth writing to the church in Rome that he's never been. But God has put a burden on his heart that he is supposed to eventually get there. Now as you read through the book of Acts, you find out that he does eventually get there in chains and through a series of disasters. So it wasn't exactly that the call of God for Paul to get to Rome was a fun, uh, nice call. And sometimes I know when I hear, oh, go with the gospel, I begin to think to myself of all the places in the world that God may call me to go to proclaim the gospel. And if I'm honest with myself, it brings a modicum of fear and trepidation in my heart because, you know, I have great friends who are missionaries in Romania, and I've been to Romania myself, but I think to myself, If God were to say to me now, pack up and go to Romania and be a missionary, would I be willing to do it? So when we talk about what being the go in the gospel means, yes, it can mean God calls you to some far-flung land. God calls you to go somewhere else. God called Paul to Rome. But while God was calling Paul to Rome, Paul was in Corinth with the gospel, ministering the gospel in to the Corinthians in Corinth. So going with the gospel is about taking the message of the gospel in the situation that you find yourself. I know for myself personally that when I started as a police officer, one of my objectives was to get into our chaplaincy program, and I was very disheartened when I wasn't able to get in. And then God made me the staffing sergeant. And as the staffing sergeant, one of my jobs is to follow up with members of the police service who are on long-term disability and supernumerary status. Usually they're out of the workplace because they have some sort of chronic illness. Uh, Oftentimes it's people who have no prognosis whatsoever of making any sort of recovery. And so... As I started to do this job, I realized that even though the police service had never recognized me to the position of chaplain, God was sending me out to do chaplaincy as the staffing sergeant and to minister to these people. And the other thing that was happening was that as I went with the gospel, I was able to minister to them, and the barrier of, oh, well, here comes the chaplain, he's coming to see me because he has to come see me, was instantly lowered down. I had the, uh, the pleasure of going to the house of uh, one of my classmates that I went through recruit class with. 
And this member uh, has been given a diagnosis of cancer and a prognosis of three to four years to live. And I brought with me one of Max Lucado's book, He Still Moves Mountains. And this was the first chance uh, in my role as staffing sergeant that I'd had to meet with anybody. Uh, And I, I, I really felt in my heart that God wanted me to minister to um, to this member but as sometimes happens when we get the compulsion to uh, or when we get a an unction from God to do something fear rose up inside me because I thought well what if I do this and there's a complaint and what if I do but you know in the end I took the book with me to work I went to meet the person I was able to pray with them, give them the book, but not only that, I was able to hear a little bit of their testimony. And their testimony was that they'd come to a relationship with Jesus Christ through this whole process of going through cancer. They were involved in a church, and on the day that I visited, they were just looking for some confirmation that having a relationship with God was the right way to confront what they were confronting. So when you go with the gospel, God can use your circumstances and your obedience to minister to the people that you're going to contact in your day-to-day life. Because he's done it for me. So who can I go to? Well, verse 16 makes it pretty clear. The apostle Paul says you can go to everyone. And Paul demonstrates this by both his ministry in Corinth and his eventual arrival in Rome. He also demonstrates it by preaching to Greeks and to barbarians. So there is no class of person, no group of people that are outside the reach of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, there is... No other religion in the world that opens freely the gift of salvation to anyone who wants to access it. There is caveats in every other religion. There are requirements in every other religion. But the gospel of Jesus Christ says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That is it. It is a transaction that occurs through, no, uh, through nothing we can do, but all that he has done. And it's open to everybody who wants to believe. Now this morning, maybe you're listening on the internet or you're here, and you've never made a choice for Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that there's a God who loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that you could be saved and so you could have eternal life. And so you could be filled with his Holy Spirit and you could go out and save a lost, dying world from eternal damnation. And it is the only God who can give that promise. Why go? Well, Paul says that too. I'm a debtor. Like I was just saying... There is nothing I can do to earn the salvation of Jesus Christ. In fact, God sent his only son to die for me 
because my rightful place was eternal damnation. But God loved me so much, and the Bible says he, lo- uh, he loved the world so much that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in that son would not perish, but would have eternal life. So why go? Well, let me tell you a story about Dr. Jim Clark. Dr. Jim Clark is a physician in the United States, and he was operating on a girl who required a rare type of blood, O negative. The hospital at that time was out of O negative blood, and so the only possible blood donor they had was this little girl's twin brother. And the doctor came to her and said, uh, came, to, came to the little brother and said, your, your sister's very sick, and the only way she can get better is if she gets blood for you. The little boy thought about it for a little while. He looked over uh, to his parents, said goodbye to them, and went and made his blood donation. And what Dr. Clark didn't realize until after the blood donation was finished and they'd taken the blood off to the operating room was that the boy didn't understand what was going on because as they disconnected him from the uh, blood donation machine, he looked at Dr. Clark and said, so when do I die? He believed that he was giving his blood so that his sister could live and die. And he was going to die because of it. Dr. Clark was happy to report that the boy, uh, both the girl who received the surgery and the boy who donated the blood were fine. So why go? I know for myself personally, it becomes very easy to gloss over what it is that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ means. We, we get engaged in our day-to-day life. We come into contact with people in various contexts. We, we talk to them. We socialize with them. We enjoy our time together. And we put, in the, we, we put to the back of our mind the fact that absent a relationship with Jesus Christ, they are condemned to eternal damnation. And, and sometimes, I don't want to think about that and I don't want to talk about it, because who wants to be the downer? Who wants to be the person who walks into the situation, oh, here comes little Robbie Sunshine, he's going to talk about how everybody's going to go to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. But you know what? God has been uh, impressing upon me the urgency and the importance of sharing the gospel with people. And there's a famous quote from Thomas uh, Aquinas that says, preach the gospel uh, always and if necessary use words. But my Bible tells me that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And here's the, here's the danger of preach the gospel always and if necessary use words. Your example can illustrate the love of God. Your example can illustrate the grace of God. People can observe you and see something different uh, about you. But 
if you never take the time to explain what that is, they never get the chance to connect to the Almighty God. They never get the chance to accept the message of the gospel. And this is as good a time as any to talk about the message of the gospel because the message of the gospel is not simply Jesus came and he died for me. The message of the gospel is a plan that the almighty God that created the universe put in place at the beginning of time knowing what was going to happen to mankind and knowing we were going to need a savior He opened up a way for us to come back into relationship with him knowing we were going to break relationship with him in the Garden of Eden. And it overarches all of time and it is here for all of mankind. The gospel, it's trite to say that the gospel is simply accepting Jesus. Yes, a cornerstone of the gospel is accepting Jesus. But you and I And most especially, uh, I, because I'm preaching this to myself as much as I'm preaching it to anyone, have a role to play in God's plan of the gospel. And our role is to take the why we go with the gospel into those daily appointments. Do you know that each of us has divine appointments every day? I... I can't tell you how many times I've been in a situation where I'm counseling somebody in human resources and the Holy Spirit will give me an unction to say something. And I would love to stand here and tell you that every time it happens, I am obedient and I follow through on that unction. I I don't. But I want to. And I think there's a way to go from wanting to to doing. And that's the how. How do I go with the gospel? How do I become the go in the gospel? Well, we talked about uh, one part, and that's faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of God. I have to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's inside of me. Now, There are great apologists of the Christian faith that I can learn this from. Uh, But probably, for me at least, the best way that I go with the gospel, or, or, or how I go with the gospel, is to actually spend time with God. Because when I worship, when I read my Bible, when I spend time in prayer, I begin to reflect that which I'm investing my time in. If you want to become a better golfer, go to the golf course and practice golf. If you want to, uh, if you want to get in better physical shape, go to the gym and work out and do cardio and do strength training. And if you want to be able to go, be the go in the gospel, you have to spend time in the gospel. You have to spend time in the word of God. I have to spend time praying. I have to spend time in worship. I have to spend time in fellowship with other Christians. Now, there's a danger. Uh, There's a statistic in the U.S. that after three years of Christianity, most Christians only have 2% of their social circles circles that involve non-Christians. I've got bad news for you. 
bad news for me. If we've only got 2% of our social circle that are non-Christians, where are we going with the gospel? You have to be engaged with the people that are lost and dying. I have to be engaged with the people that are lost and dying. So how do I do it? Maybe I walk next door to my neighbor. Maybe it's a colleague at work that I know that's in a difficult spot. And I take the investment I've made in myself by spending time in prayer, by spending time in God's God's word, and I can reflect that now to the people that I run into on a daily basis. I can turn those incidental contacts into divine appointments. I can turn those, uh, those incidental contacts into an opportunity to give the gospel. And you know, one of the beauties of the how of the gospel is that I'm not responsible to make anything happen. I'm responsible to be obedient. Rob Duchin can save absolutely nobody. In fact, you're probably more likely to get hurt than saved if you spend too much time with Rob Duchin. But when I take the word of the Almighty God and I put it in the hands and the ears of the people that I have contact with, God gives the increase. God softens the heart. God opens them up and God gives them an opportunity to access the gospel. I'll tell you one of the things that God convicted me of as I was preparing this message. I've been on the worship team now for a couple of years. Do you know how many worship gatherings I've been to my whole time on the worship team? Like the time, the team building times? Zero. And God's like, I thought you wanted to spend time with me. I thought you wanted to be a worshiper. I'm like, oh. You know how many prayer summits I went to last year? Three. Bethany made the announcement this morning and God was like, so you're saying there's a prayer summit. Why do these things become important? Because if you're going to do the how of going with the gospel, You have to fill yourself up. And the beauty of the fellowship is that we can fill one another up before we go out to a lost and dying world. Where do we go with the gospel? Well, we talked about this a little bit off the top. We go everywhere. The Apostle Paul was in Corinth, ministering to the Corinthian people, but God had placed on his heart that he was to go to Rome and minister to the Romans, and he had a plan to get there. Where do we go? Well, why don't we start with our neighbors? The person who lives on uh, the east and west of us, or the north and south of us. Why don't we start with someone at work? Why don't we start with a friend that we know is struggling? I mean, the reasons why I don't are the anchors that hold me back from being the go in the gospel. In the 1980s, 
there was a study at a university in California that found a virus that infected every human body. The study team couldn't believe it, but through academic rigor, they were not only able to prove that every human had this virus and that it was affecting life expectancy, but they were able to come up with a, a cure for this virus. Um, when they arrived at their cure, they prepared to pre uh, present their research and to release the information in a press conference. And on the day of the press conference, they were shocked that uh, there wasn't more interest either from academics or from the media. And in fact, the opposite was true. Uh, several scholars uh, and uh, doctors began to actually publicly criticize their research. To the point where eventually the research team broke up the members of that research team removed any reference to participating in this research project from their rec resumes so that they were able to go out and work in other fields. Now, the story is based on a true, uh, on a true story with some fiction, uh, fiction added for benefit. But can you imagine being a medical professional, having an answer that could solve a problem for all of mankind, and when you, uh, when you were yelled at from your professional peer group, deciding that it was more important to protect your reputation than it was to share what you had discovered to help mankind. Well, when I look in the mirror, I say to myself, Rob, mankind has a disease. They're lost. They're dying. There is only one solution to that disease. And when I choose not to share that solution to that disease with a lost and dying world, whether it's in disobedience to what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do, whether it's out of fear which is a tool the enemy loves to use, fear of my reputation, fear, uh, fear of rejection, fear of being ridiculed. I take a solution that all of mankind needs and I put it away in favor of myself. How can I be the go in the gospel? Well, what I need to do is be willing to go wherever I am and share the gospel. The gospel is for everyone. That's who I can go to the gospel with. Why should I go? Because I'm a debtor. Everything I have is by virtue of what God has done for me. I can never pay the debt. I can never earn what he's done. But I can pay it forward by proclaiming the gospel. How do I go? By being willing and being present. And sharing. And where do I go? Everywhere God sends me or wherever he calls me to go.
That's how I go with the gospel.